When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yeah, I thought we, you know, it would have been a shame to lose this game. I thought we deserved the win. Um, you know, we struggled to make some little plays down the stretch, like rebounding, of course, and, and we didn't we didn't make some hoops that we, we got good looks at. So it would have been a, it would have been a tough one to swallow if we lost this one. But thankfully, we gutted it out. We found a way to come back. And very much like it was a carbon copy of the other day, but uh, proud of our effort. <laughs> love me some, some Chris. I love the I love the prolonged ear scratch. We've which, all been there. Which, by, there. which, by the way, feels good. It's there, better the it's, ear than the nose. It's one of my favorite things. I, I've had an itchy nose for all week, and yes. Oh, the, you got to do the old. And the YouTube commenters have noticed, and they think I've been doing a certain oh, amount of. No. Oh, no. Extra activities. Draft week, say. you've <laughs> dipped into the nose candy, Declan. Yeah, yeah they think I'm doing that. I, oh, no. The, 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 cl- the clip from yesterday's show that went viral is, uh, I think it was Roycey barging into oh, the producer studio during our show. And Declan just getting super scared I, while on camera. He opens this door <laughs> so aggressively. And it wasn't hey. like, and, and like you have these noise canceling headphones on, like all of a sudden, hey. And it it scared the living bejesus. Your out startled of me. face though is is yeah. really good. It is. It is. Like you get like really caught off. Yeah, I don't like it. Amazing. So okay. this is this is Mackie and Judd here. It's a reckless speculation Thursday. And it's draft day, and so we've got we're gonna we're gonna blend those two at an intersection here in just a little bit. Our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson from Five Eyewitness News and the Scoop Podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, and Scornart.com. Uh, Doogie is the Western Conference lucky that the Timberwolves are going to run out of runway. It is amazing <laughs> that they're playing their best basketball after officially being eliminated from playoff contention. But you know what, though. Going back to that second Utah game, even the Houston game, some of these comebacks they've made under Chris Finch. So now under Finch's leadership, now it's not good that they're getting down by 15 or more points, but it is now six times in the last, well, since the All-Star break. Six times since the All-Star break, just a handful of weeks ago, that the Wolves have gotten down, typically early in the game, but have gotten down by 15 or more points and came back and won. So that, to me, speaks volumes about what we've talked about for weeks. That Chris Finch is a really, really good coach. So you give him this summer, guys will be at Mayo Clinic Square getting work in. You give him a full training camp, a full preseason. Now, make no mistake, the roster needs all sorts of work. But that they have a really good coach in place, that there are a lot of reasons to be very hopeful heading into next season. 
Speaking of that, Dukes, then, who do you think, um, among the non-stars, who do you think fits the best, and who, who do you think is probably gone as, as they try and retool this a little bit at least to give themselves the best chance to be competitive for a playoff spot? I think a lot of guys will be on the table. I mean, Ricky Rubio, with that money, as an expiring contract this summer, will hold all sorts of trade value. Like, I don't think they're married to Ricky Rubio being on this roster next year. I do think they want to see D'Lo, Cat, McDaniels, Beasley, Ant, that five together for some sort of sustained stretch. But otherwise, go up and down the list. I mean, Jarek Culver, I mean, he can be he can be attained if if you're some other team that feels like, hey, he just needs a change of scenery, Jake Lehman. I mean, any number of guys, oh, sure. you know, the Wolves will be open-minded to moving this summer. But, like, do I think they're moving any of the five I just mentioned? No, I would be surprised. You know, the, 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 the biggest question when Chris Finch took over, and we asked Gerson this when he came on the show just, a, it was probably like three weeks ago now, is when you look at the lineup plus-minus combos, right? You can look at, like, basketball reference and NBA.com. They do a great job of showing you, you know, this two-man combo or this three-man combo and and how they compare relative to the rest of the league. The, one of the Wolves' worst two-man combos was Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell when they played at the same time. They were awful. It was like a minus 15 per 100 possessions or something. And so we asked him, all right, I mean, yeah, it's great that, like, D'Lo's going to come back, but can those two guys play together? I mean, what? And he And he didn't name Ryan Saunders by name, and we love Ryan, and um, and I don't mean to throw him under the bus, but but Gerson basically said we feel like the the what Chris Finch is going to bring from a coaching perspective and a system perspective is going to unlock some things with that pairing. And Dukes, that's obviously the case. I mean, D'Lo seems to be really comfortable off the ball too in Chris Finch's system. So what are you hearing? What do you see when it comes to the ability of of D'Lo and Ant to coexist and and win games together. Well, you just said it. I mean, D'Lo being able to operate off the ball like he did in Brooklyn at a really high level when Dinwiddie was on the ball. So there is a pretty large sample size of D'Lo having success off the ball that he can have success here off the ball, where if it's Ant or somebody else initiating the offense, that you can have high-level offensive success that way. I still wonder about the defensive end. But, yeah, I think they're going to see this thing through in that regard. Also, make no mistake about this. D'Lo and Ryan, like, it just it didn't work. There, were, there was a lot more going on there than a lot of us have ever talked about, that D'Lo is in a much better frame of mind playing for Chris, but, heck, playing for any coach – that isn't Ryan Saunders. Did they just? I mean, I, I don't want. I don't want to get you in trouble here, but like, did they just not see eye to eye on system? I mean, what did they not like each other? Like, can you share anything else without getting in trouble? I guess. Well, I mean, I think it goes all the way back to when D'Angelo Russell came into town pre-draft process. What year would that have been when the Wolves ended up with Cat number one? Would that have been twenty fifteen? Yeah, I think it was fifteen. So D'Lo arrives, flies in, and let's just say the second he got into the car, leaving the airport, things just went south with that particular trip. You know, and I think D'Lo, his people, no, Ryan was not in the car. Okay. But the story started to trickle out after that. They went to seven for a dinner. It just, there 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 were some weird vibes 
that particular trip. And so I think it goes all the way back to 2015. You know, just some things, Russell, his people, the Saunders family, the late flip, now Ryan, where I'm not sure that relationship ever got off to any sort of good start. And all these years later, I think it just carried over. Where where do things stand um, right now as far as the the, uh, sale goes? Because I think that was a a 30-day window of opportunity, right, for the sale to be completed or signed off on completely. Are we close to that being announced in a press conference where A-Rod comes to town and everybody is thrilled because he really likes us? Well, I mean, A-Rod's been here, right? I mean, A-Rod and Mark Laurie have been here. No, but I'm saying. They would come back to town for some sort of news conference. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to think. That anything has fallen through. I mean, Glenn told me a few weeks ago that everything pretty much was negotiated. It still blows me away that that a transaction of this magnitude, over $1 billion, got done in less than a week. I mean, that just floors me. But Glenn said, I mean, pretty much every detail in the kitchen, right? Had been agreed to. I don't know if it was the kitchen, in the kitchen but yeah, somewhere in there in Naples. Yeah. Apple Glenn's pie, residence. Yeah. Coffee. Probably lasagna. Becky's lasagna oh, for the, dinner. Everyone, the, the lasagna. Doogie, dinner. doogie. I want to find out just how inside you are. Have you ever had Becky's lasagna? I've not had Becky's lasagna. <laughs> no, I have right. not. I'd love to. Becky's a sweetheart. You know, so <laughs> that sounds if like a the band. invitation is ever extended, trust me, I'll take her up on that offer. But no, I have not. I have not had Becky's Doogie lasagna. Doogie has never passed up lasagna. Ladies and never gentlemen, I give you Becky's lasagna. <laughs> yeah. tell me. And I will say, like, when we talk about Ryan, yeah, like, I love Ryan. Heart of gold. Like, I don't know if I shared this story on air, but I shared it on social media. That's awesome, dude. He came by the neighborhood a couple weeks ago, put my older son, his three-on-three teammates, through a basketball workout for one hour, never once looked down at his phone. And we didn't catch up much. Like, it was about the kids. It wasn't about, you know, Ryan and I bonding. You know, so there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue there. He did tell me he's off to D.C. after he gets his second COVID vaccine, which might be now. You know, they have a place in D.C. where him and his wife and the two kids were going to get away for for a little bit. But we really didn't catch up much. But, like, that's the kind of person Ryan is. And I even said, not that he lives super far from where we live, but I'm like, hey, if you know a park by your house, like, we'll come your way. I'll put the boys in my car. We'll drive to you. He's like, no, I'll come your way. And I'm just telling you, for him to not look down at his phone for an entire hour to show them some plays yeah. You know, to run them through some drills, just give them a nice pep talk, like heart of gold. Like who does that? Yeah, like that's something these boys will will think about for the rest of their lives, practically, right? Like an NBA coach, yes. the former head coach of the Timberwolves, comes to their local park and runs them through drills. So, mm-hmm. like, you did know, you just- rip him at all during the hour for any <laughs> out of bounds uh, plays? <laughs> I heard the kids, or the lack of defense being taught. I heard the yeah, kids yeah. questioned him. <laughs> I heard the kids were like. You know what? We don't mean to talk back, but Mr. Saunders, is this really what you want us to do? Like, you really want Droogie on the ball? Like, yeah. shouldn't Droogie be, you know, not the one initiating the offense? Yeah, no, it was it was fantastic. So, I mean, admittedly, right? I mean, we all have biases, right? I mean, we try to be as objective as possible. But, you know, whether it's, you know, inherent or, you know, obvious, whatever it might be. I mean, I'm I make no bones about it. I mean, Ryan's one of my guys, and I still think... The offense he ran here created enough good looks. Now, good is subjective, but I just don't think the Wolves have enough shooters. And he only got to coach D'Lo and Cat for, what was it, five games total 
for this year. When you think about Beasley, Ant, Cat, and Russell, those four have only played together a total of 13 minutes. So it's not like Ryan was set up for a whole lot of success, but I'm just telling you, Chris Finch is is a basketball savant. It was everything I heard going back when they hired him. It was more about can he cultivate relationships, but just as a basketball coach. Mm-hmm. Like you think about just some of the plays he's designed, some of the adjustments he's made in game. Like Chris Finch is brilliant. Like I can't fault the Wolves, Gerson specifically, for for hiring his guy. Like, you know, if, if your job's on the line, you may as well go down swinging. Not that Gerson's job is on the line right this second, but like you're going to do things the way you want to do them. And so I completely get it. Chris Finch is is an A-plus coach. So, Duke, to try and put the pieces of the puzzle together that you are providing right now, am I to take it that Saunders might have been fired in part because Gilo had told them, I'm not really going to come back. And, and they obviously had a desire to get him back on the floor with Cat. And that Chris Finch, they, they could have expedited the process to Chris Finch because in Gerson's mind, he knew that he would click more with the guard. And so just as far as, because the timing did seem just a little bit odd because it wasn't like you were going to fire Saunders and then things were going to turn around and be perfect. That team was pretty much fried. So if you put the pieces together, does it make some sense that they made the move to Finch and fired Ryan when they did as an olive branch to D'Lo to get him back on the floor. Yeah, certainly part of the equation, the sole reason, no. I mean, heck, let's not forget, last offseason, Gerson went to Ryan and said, hey, I want you to add Chris Finch to your staff. This was before Chris Finch landed with his good buddy Nick Nurse with the Raptors. He wanted Ryan to hire Chris, Mm -hmm. and there wasn't an opening. And so Ryan said, no, I'm not firing anybody on my staff, that was maybe the first, you know, brouhaha, Gerson and Ryan. And I can't fault Ryan. It's not like Ryan wanted to fire, you know, Brian Gates or anybody else on his staff. There wasn't an opening. But Gerson wanted Chris Finch on the Wolf staff before the season started. So, yeah, these wheels have been in motion for a while. I mean, let's not forget. It's not like they lose that game in New York to Tibbs and the Knicks. They lose that game, then all of a sudden it hit Gerson. Hey. We need to make a move. Right. The wheels have been in motion for a while. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Doogie, there will be a lot of people that are listening and are watching this after the first round of the draft, but the juiciest thing that has come out so far here in the, well, I don't know, seven hours or whatever before, eight hours before the draft starts. So I, th- I think our old friend Paul Allen floated this on his radio show, but then Bill Michaels, the big unit, the voice of Wisconsin sports talk, Bill Michaels tweeted, the 49ers have offered the Packers the third overall pick in this year's draft, plus other picks and a number of players from their roster, including Jimmy Garoppolo, for Aaron Rodgers. The Packers turned them down. Your thoughts? I don't think that happened. Not that Demovsky, doesn't have Rob Domovsky, by the way, is sources. Yeah, Rob Domovsky is shooting it down. Is shooting it down. I trust Rob. So I side more with Rob on this one. And heck, let's just say the 49ers did make that offer. I don't think the Packers are trading Aaron Rodgers right now. I'll tell you this much. I was in the car this morning because uh, to be at the Vikings facility tomorrow for for some of the, you know, the fallout from tonight, uh, we have to undergo COVID testing. So I was over 
at, at the Vikings this morning. So, you know, I was in the car for about 35 minutes this morning. So I heard PA say it and he was pretty definitive about it, you know, but like I would be surprised. But when I heard it, I started to think, okay, I know PA knows a lot of people, right? We, we text and talk more than people know, right? So I started to think, heck, if the 49ers did that, have they approached the Vikings in recent days about Kirk Cousins? Are they trying to revisit that possibility? So I checked this morning. I'm told no. Nothing going on there. 49ers inquiring about Kirk Cousins of, of the Vikings. I'm not, I am not buying for one second once, once San Fran got that third pick, Dukes, that they were willing to offer that for Kirk. Like, I do believe that they called months ago. And said, let's talk trade. I agree months ago. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But just but, not recently. Right. But once you get that third pick, I don't care how much you love Kirk. You're not going to give the Vikings the third pick for Kirk. No. Like, that's just not. I, I mean, you could, in theory, offer. I don't see that trade happening. You know, Garoppolo, next year's first, whatever it might be. That, oh, that yeah. The package you would sure, theoretically sure. offer up doesn't include the number three overall I got pick. You. Okay. But again, I'm telling you, I'm not dealing with, you know, theoretically right now. I'm dealing with reality. Right. I'm told by somebody that absolutely would know that there hasn't been any recent dialogue, the 49ers and the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doogie, if it were me tonight, uh, I told Judd and Declan this on Purple Daily today. If it were me tonight, I would have my radar up for Justin Fields or Trey Lance falling. And if they fall, I'm pouncing. And I know that Kirk Cousins is good. And the Vikings are tied to him financially now and and even next year. But um, I I think if if you have a potential franchise quarterback fall to you, it's, it's your obligation to... Uh, be interested in that. So that my, that's where my radar is at first and foremost. If that doesn't happen, offensive tackle is where I'm turning next. I believe what McShay and, and Daniel Jeremiah have mocked that where they probably go is Jalen Phillips or edge rusher, uh, either by trading back or by all of the offensive players being off the board by the time the 14th pick rolls around. What are your thoughts on scenarios that are most likely tonight? All right, well, let's talk through all three of those scenarios. On the quarterbacks, they've done a lot of homework on the two guys you mentioned, Phil. I can tell you that Clint Kubiak, the new Vikings play caller, Vikings offensive coordinator, has had a number of conversations with those in Fargo with the Bison program that the Vikings don't believe that Lance is falling to them. They've had that belief now for many days. Now, maybe Fields does. I don't have as much intel on Fields as I do on Lance, but that the Vikings don't foresee a scenario where Trey Lance is staring them in the face at pick 14. If he is, yeah, I think they would consider it. I do. I think they would think long and hard. I mean, I've said for a while that I think they do take a quarterback at some point over the next few days. So, hey, if if you feel like Trey Lance has a chance to be really, really special, yeah, I'm with you, Phil. Plus, as somebody who roots for storylines, Give me the quarterback tonight. That is the best storyline of them all. Drafting an offensive lineman, that's not sexy. That's boring, right? But yeah, I think (laughs) it's more likely they go offensive line or defensive line. I wish I could tell you I knew for sure, but like I can I can see both. Like, go back, what, five or six weeks ago, they go after Carl Lawson. They lose out on him. They go after Trey Hendrickson. They lose out on him. Yeah, they signed Steven Weatherly, but he's like a number three or even a number four. Maybe DJ Wanham is the number three. Weatherly is the number four. So they chase these free agent pass rushers. They don't get either, right? So, like, they still want a pass rusher, right? So 
Yeah, like whether that's Jalen Phillips or Quiddy Pay, it makes sense to me, right? And we know that Zimmer would love to have a first-round defensive guy, right? That that he figures we can patchwork the offensive line internally, whether that's Rashad Hill playing right tackle, move Brian O'Neill to left tackle. Heck, we know Ezra Cleveland can play left tackle. We traded for Mason Cole. We like Udo. Like, we have some guys internally. Let's wait on taking an offensive line. Hold on. Oh, my. In progress? Oh, man. I just want to throw this out there. The New Orleans Saints have tweeted an eyeball emoji. The New Orleans Saints have tweeted an eyeball emoji. Let the draft speculation begin, boys. That's all they did? Just the eyeballs? (laughs) Well, I mean, all the reports out there say they want to move up for a cornerback. Yes. Is that the Alabama kid or is that J.C. Horn, the South Carolina kid? Joe Horn, you know, you think about Joe's history with the New Orleans Saints, his son now J.C. Hiding a brick phone in the in the goalpost. <laughs> well, I mean. Padding, remember is that? Is J.C. Horn sitting there at 14? If so, if you're the Vikings, do you let New Orleans come up to 14, or is that too far to go back? That's a way, that's a Can long you still get back. Phillips no. or pay there? Maybe pay. Or maybe okay, you go, maybe I, you go Dylan Radens, the kid from Becker High School, an offensive lineman in the mid-20s. Where is New Orleans exactly? What pick is it? Uh, 28, uh, right? 28, yeah. I, I have to ask. Percentage chance the Vikings draft a cornerback in the first round? Is it zero or above? Well, I can't say zero, right? When you look at the 2022 Vikings, with no guarantees that Mike Zimmer is here, but when you look at the 2022 Vikings, Mackenzie Alexander pending free agent, Patrick Peterson pending free agent, Jeff Gladney, his future way up in the air. Even if he's back, he's looking at some sort of long-term suspension. So cornerback... Surely is a need 2022. Mike Hughes not Could that. be a need. Yeah, Mike Hughes. So the deadline is Monday for the yeah. fifth-year option, Mike Hughes. The Vikings are not picking up the fifth-year option on Mike Hughes. I think we all know that. So when you look at the at the situation the Vikings are looking at one year from now, yep. cornerback is a glaring need, right? But I guess when you're looking at the 2021 Vikings, maybe not so much. Plus, there's still some guys in the free agent market that they could potentially sign that could help them as – a number four, number five type. So I can't sit here, Phil, and tell you zero percent, but I think it's I think it's relatively low. Let me go back to the three scenarios because we didn't talk offensive line. I just don't know if you take an interior offensive lineman that high for the second time in three years. And I get it that Bradbury wasn't picked quite that high, but that to me is not great value for a guard. in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, for a guard. So Vera Tucker, Tucker. Play, but, but he, he could potentially he play, play tackle right tackle as well. I don't know about left tackle with the short arms, and the Vikings love those thirty-four inch arms. The short arms are a problem. But could he potentially play right hey, tackle? Where's my Burger King burger. Yeah, and then you move <laughs> O'Neill <laughs> to left tackle. So maybe the Vikings view it like that. Or Darisaw does have the long arms. He's got those arms. So do you take the the Virginia Tech tackle and feel like you've got your your left tackle for the next you know eight what I'd to love ten to know, years? Doogie? I would love to know this and we don't and and I thought I thought I did but I'm now convinced I was wrong. When Zimmer got the job in 2014, I would love to see Mike's contract to know that if he if he was gifted final say on the 53. Because when Spielman was named GM, it was made very clear that Frazier was now out of he he would have a say, but he was out of having um a 50 50 say, and to go back to Brad Childress, he had the say, de facto GM, right? But if they take a defensive end in the first round tonight, I think it's pretty safe to say that at some point in time, 
control of the 53-man roster shifted from Rick to Mike because because the seismic shift in in the fact that you will have basically looked at every defensive position of need, and I'm not saying it was good, it was bad, okay? But we'll have addressed every one of those while having made one small trade for an offensive guard. It'll be crystal clear that Mike has has completely, right or wrong, hijacked control of the roster. Well, maybe so, but just looking at the depth of this draft, there's a lot of offensive linemen, specifically tackles. When you look at pass rushers for this draft, there isn't a whole lot of depth. So just logically speaking, you know you're but taking a pass rusher that, at some point. You know you're taking an offensive lineman, a tackle scared, at some point in all likelihood. But he scares me. He's got concussion problems. Oh, I agree. That that should scare you off. And other injury problems, right? Like he medically retired while at UCLA. Like that to me is the ultimate red flag. So yeah, I'm with you. I mean, on, that worries me enough Jalen to Phillips. back me off. Yeah, I take him off my board. But I'm just saying, like, I can't sit here and dismiss the possibility of them going with a pass rusher tonight, then waiting on the offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. But if I had to bet, I don't feel great about this. But I think tonight the Vikings end up with an offensive lineman. I'll tell you, if they do draft Jalen Phillips, I would want some insurance. And that's where Federated comes in, helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over 100 years. They're one of us. They're based in Owatonna, and they provide risk management resources, frontline protection, and peace of mind for business owners with tools like MyShield. Find out what Federated can do for your business at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, let me add on Derisaw because some text messages are coming in. Somebody close to Derisaw <laughs> running the idea of the Vikings ending up with Derisaw. This person tells me that as of a few days ago, he would have dismissed that possibility. But in recent days, there's more steam that this individual, again, close to Derisaw, does see a scenario where where Derisaw ends up in purple tonight. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I have no problem with that. The long arms, definitely key. That's Keep fine. defenders away. Especially That's if you feel contract. like he can be your left tackle That's yes, exactly. for two contracts. Exactly. Seven, eight years. Yes. Take the left tackle, right? That, to me, makes sense. Finally solved. You take a left tackle in the first round. Or you take a pass rusher in the first round. Yes. Taking a guard in the first round. Yeah, I'm not going to take a guard. Quentin N- but like, Nelson I think is they the love, rarity. I think they love Rashawn Slater. Is Rashawn Slater? Now, could he play right tackle? And you move Brian O'Neill to left how, tackle. How are the arms? Shorter than the 34 inches that they like. Right? So, like, they love Slater. So, is there a scenario where Slater gets past eight? No. Where the Vikings can jump goes. up I for Rashawn Slater? I think he goes. Yeah. I well, if he goes, then cross Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater yes, I think you can do off that. the board. Yep. But I'm just saying, and, and I would say maybe it's 10 or 15% that the Vikings move up. I think it's more likely they move back and get if they make a trade pin. tonight. I'm with you. Right? Let somebody move I, up for, for Devontae Smith, or maybe it's a cornerback if J.C. Horn is is there and New Orleans wants to offer a ton. you know. But I think like these are all scenarios that they've kicked around for many, many days mm-hmm. in Egan. Hey, boys, I'm thinking about just – I love what the Saints did here, just the, the eyeball emojis, just the eyeball emojis. It's just genius. I might just tweet hearing things to eyeball emojis. Go right ahead. Maybe yeah. th- maybe three. Go right now. See what see what happens. That's awesome. Doogie, give, give us some rapid fire scoops here. We know you have to go and do your uh, your day job. So what else you got for? So us? a little bit more on the Timberwolves. So there's a really good guard. His name is Perrier Henry. Plays for Basconia. 
over in Europe. So the Wolves have had dialogue with Baskonia about buying him out. The cost would be around $750,000. They then would need to sign him to a contract that would include, like he's not signing here for a 10-day deal just to come here for 10 days, right? Like if he's coming over to America, as great as the NBA is, he needs some security for next season. So there's some dialogue happening there. I'm not saying it's 100% chance. We should have some clarity in the next few days whether this player, Henry, ends up in a Wolves uniform. Some of these Twins minor leaguers are starting to get their assignments with the minor league season starting to go here. Uh Aaron Sabato, the buzz is he will stay in Florida. So now Florida is low A, not high A, right? Cedar Rapids is high A. A, Now, I don't think Aaron Sabato, the first-round pick last year, played in college in North Carolina. I don't think he's going to be in Fort Myers very long. Like I think he can climb the ladder pretty darn fast, but it looks like he'll start the season low A. Matt Canarino? Showed some promise during some of those spring training games. Good pitcher. Looks like high A for Cantorino. I'm still waiting on on some of these other guys. Sano, Kepler, Garlic hitting right now at CHS Field. All are on the cusp of, of returning, whether it's tomorrow, Saturday, but pretty quick here. All three guys will be ready to go. Now, heck with Kyle Garlic. What do you do there? Like, are you putting him back on the 26-man roster? So there's some question marks. There certainly Kepler and Sano will be added back to the 26-man roster. Sure. Ben Johnson is close to hiring his third assistant coach, Marcus Jenkins, from the University of Richmond. I will credit Gopher Illustrated with the initial steam on that, but going back and forth with somebody that would know this morning, that is in the works. Associate head coach at the University of Richmond. Last name, cool. Jenkins, to complete the Gopher staff. Ben Johnson still very much on the lookout for size. If you see any new player enter the transfer portal that has any pulse that's done anything that is six foot eight or bigger, I can promise you Ben Johnson, <laughs> Dave Thorson have made that phone call. No short so they arms, are Doogie. being a very, very aggressive long, long in chasing down a, a big man. Don't have All right, short that's arms. Darren. Name of my book. Don't have short <laughs> arms. The judge uh, will get we love you, and uh, we're pumped for draft night tonight. And you can always follow Doogie on Twitter at KSTP and find his work on KSTP.com, KSTP TV, and the Scoop podcast. Inside information about your favorite local sports teams. We'll, By we'll the talk way, next week, Doogie. I'll leave you with this. So uh, the last Scoop podcast has Desmond Howard and Randy Mueller with some Vikings chatter. So this morning, so I mentioned I, I have to go to uh, the Vikings facility to get a COVID test. Any media member that will be at TCO Performance Center over the next few days, has to undergo a COVID test. No big deal. Fine, go out there. Guess who was behind me in line? Owner Mark Wilf. So there was only one person. Another person came after grabbing some breakfast at McDonald's. So it's not like Mark was was waiting behind me for many, many minutes. But you would think I'd have like all the Vikings answers after bonding very briefly with Mark Wilf this morning. But unfortunately, he's behind you. I don't. He was behind me in line. I'm, yes. I'm a griddle guy. A, a pancake. No, no, guy. it wasn't. No. So one of the nurses. Yeah. Somebody that was working in the bio reference. I would have moved right. Trailer past you. walked in with some breakfast. No, Got Mark it. was. I would have pushed you aside. If I'm Mark, I'm like, get out of my way, Darren. No, Dude, it no. should have been obvious when Mark, was wearing, when Mark was wearing a Christian Derrissaw jersey, what they're going to do tonight. I don't know. I All, right, Doogie. All right. All right. See you, Doogie. We'll See you, catch boys. you next week. Bye-bye. Darren Doogie Wilson. Bye. Reckless speculation.
Speculation. All right, um, boys. Let's also we got we got to get to some twins discussion because I don't know. I, you guys doubted them aggressively, and I tried to tell you all along you're panicking too much. Well, I'm back in. The key, yeah. YouTube TV. Just put all the games on YouTube TV. Dude, Jim Tomey. I enjoyed Jim Tomey's commentary. Yeah. Little Latroy. Latroy was on there. All right. Well, Declan's going to rip Tomey uh, in a second here. These twins discussions and talking <laughs> twins every day on Mackie and Judd, powered by our friends at Dennis Kirk. It's riding season. And Dennis Kirk is a trusted supplier, the best in the business. 160,000 parts and accessories for Harleys, Metric Cruisers, sport bikes, Indians, you, you name it. Clothing and helmets, order before 8 p.m. They ship the same day, and shipping is free for orders over $89. DennisKirk.com, everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. Well, that's one way to have a team meeting and then have the first two dudes right out of the gate just hit bombs, Byron Buxton and Josh Donaldson. And yesterday was a glimpse from all angles, right, from the lineup to the pitching performance. Yesterday was a glimpse into why we shouldn't just write this team off. This team has ridiculous bats when they're hot. Pol- Polanco showed a flash of the old Polanco yesterday, sitting on that pitch and driving it to the uh, to the left field bleacher. So um, they have a lot of work to do, but yesterday, yesterday was the first real feel-good vibes we've had in a long time with this team, boys. I hate to rain on, on the parade, but I believe no, Here we go. But I believe it was also the fact that Cleveland starter was not good at baseball. He had a uh, he, had, he had an awful game. Look, I got to see this for an extended period. I wonder so so here's my question too because they did come out hot. They did come out flying. Um I wonder what Rocco really said when he met with them after the loss two nights ago. And I'm not saying that he necessarily lit them up completely, but it was probably a little bit different than, uh, well, it's a lot of bad luck and you guys are playing hard. Love ya. I'm guessing it was a little bit different because the most important thing to me, no matter who started in the game yesterday, was this. They seemed really engaged again, right? Like they seemed on top of things. They seemed like they cared deeply, which they should. They stink so far. Um, And so I think if they have... If they have a if they have the ability to be engaged and they have the ability to be a cohesive group, I think they're going to be okay. I'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs now. I have no idea. But that was the one thing to me, Phil and Dex, that stood out for like three weeks. It's like, are you guys here mentally? And everybody yesterday seemed like they definitely were. And that's not going to save you, but it's a very important starting point. Uh, on the Rocco front, baseball is just not really the type of sport where yeah. you can just light a team up because it's not it's like football is sort of a max effort sport where if you're getting manhandled, hockey more like that too. Yeah, hockey, right? Yeah, you're but, right. But 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 baseball's baseball's more of a concentration and keep your poise and all the things that Rocco preaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to tell were they more engaged because the first two dudes hit bombs or did the first two dudes hit bombs because they were more engaged in we may, we may not know until we see it play out for a few more weeks. The thing is, though, and I know the injuries are frustrating, and I know it sucks, but the thing about this is keep in mind when he can play what Byron Buxton is doing. Five it's incredible. But yesterday. And I know he, he'll get hurt again. There will be something, right? And, and we default to that, which is, oh, man, and we're right. It always seems to be something. But statistically and in watching this guy play when he's been able to, it's incredible. Like Phil, this is this is not. Oh, that's a nice start. 
This is off the charts. Yeah, one month into the season here. So he, he's tied for the Major League lead now with eight home runs. He has a 1408 OPS, which is almost double his career average OPS and almost double the league average OPS. And I get that it's only been one month and he's only played 17 games. And he's going to come back to earth at some point. Um, but this is this is the guy that we've sort of been hoping for for a long time. Can you do this over the course of 120 games or something close to it? So I love that I love that they've moved him up into the leadoff spot, and whether it's leadoff or batting third, like he should be getting as many plate appearances as possible. I'm uh, I'm now I'm more curious as to what Declan's take on Jim Tomey yeah, as a color commentator. Tomey's a really nice guy. Uh-oh. Okay, he's a really 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 nice he's guy. He's a great dude. He's man. An it's not you, it's me, Jim. And I know Judd Zolgets was like the only human being maybe in the world to piss him off. That was a long time ago. But it, it's just his commentary is just so I don't know how to describe it. It's just. They're a really good team. It's just so, 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 so positive and so, like, blanket statements. I was just like, Jim. My sports son. I just, I don't care. Like, it, quit quit selling, upselling me mean, on Jim, all this Jim stuff. Told me. I Jim just, told I, me. I can't stand it. You know I, what? For one game, though, it. I didn't mind it. Like, it would, it would get to me if I had to watch him day after day. But you know what? For one game, and they, they would just, I, I think that, I think those games, the goal is to almost have, um, two players on who can start discussing things, which I actually don't mind. Yeah, but, it was a different feel. But like for it's sure. not supposed to be Mr. Play by Play, and I'm doing Play by Play, and you're the analyst. Um, and so I actually I like their idea, but you, but Dex, yeah, if Jim Tomey did game after game after game, it, it would get to be too much. Oh. I do agree. with yeah, that. He does. He doesn't have any. He, he his, he's so scared of saying something that might make someone mad that he just walks the myth. That's how he was in his career too. So when Judd asked him, do you really want to be here? So they got There's like 40 games under 500, he's clearly going to get traded. And Judd's like, I need you to rip the Twins. Do you really want to be I here? I mean, why and would you want to be here? You're snapped. winding down your career. <laughs> but you know what? He is, he is, to Declan's point, an incredibly positive person. Down to the fact that he signed a contract. I think So he got sold, I think, by the Twins to Cleveland for the end of that um, season. And if I'm not mistaken, Phil, he signed a contract to actually try and play first base with the Phillies the next season. Yeah, he did. Like, think yeah. about that mindset. He, he he dusted his glove off. For you've the first got time no in like shot. Seven of, years. Yeah, and you've got no shot, dude. At that point, like you are a DH. That's it. That that would be like if Nelson Cruz tried to come back and be like, I'm going to play for the Padres next season. Yeah, and, and no, Nelson not. Cruz is still sort of freakishly strong, and I wouldn't say athletic in the movement sense. And Tommy right. was a. Tommy looked like his back was breaking down. He, he looked like stuff. me. He sort of looked like me. <laughs> a little bit. He was great. You um, know what, though? I will say this. Do you guys think that Nelson Cruz is faster now that, than he's ever been with the Twins? He's legged yeah. out more hits. The guy got a bleep and triple. I get nervous. I feel like he's going to pull something. Every time a Twins player over the age of 35, Josh Donaldson, uh, I just get nervous. So I, I'd rather him not oh, try and leg out infield singles. I'm with but. you on Donaldson. Yeah, on the broadcast thing for so Scott Braun was the play-by-play guy. He's he's an MLB Network studio guy mostly, and then Troy Hawkins and and Jim Tomey, and they were well they welcomed in Jose Barrios at one point, and they were putting up fun polls like best nicknames in baseball, and that you know it was some of it was kind of campy and corny, huh? but what I loved was they weren't just trying to do the formulaic thing that baseball broadcasts have been for a hundred years, which is I am the play-by-play man and I am wearing a golf shirt or a tie. 
uh, and you are the former player, and I will I will tell the audience what's happening, and then you will react yep. formulaically for four hours. Like we need to get away from that. That's yes. the old model of baseball broadcast. I'm watching the game. I don't need you to tell me what all 300 pitches are in the game. I can see it unfolding in front of me. Let's have some fun. Let's have some fun discussions, and let's let's make it almost like you're listening to a podcast that intermittently is explaining what's happening during the game. And if some if the bases are loaded, cool. Let's lock in on the specific action that's happening right now. Right. But it, like baseball broadcasts can be so slow and dull and boring for like eighty percent. And they were trying to fix that on this YouTube broadcast yesterday, and I thought that was cool. And by the way, because this was on YouTube and it wasn't blacked out locally. MLB adopt this policy, please. Like you, you put this oh, yeah. on an internet thing. I get that, but it was it wasn't blacked out here. Why can't we make this a thing? And this goes beyond baseball. It goes through all four major sports. Stop with this blackout rules. If I want to pay you oogles of money to watch my team, I will do that. The blackout thing, I could just it 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 it, it came back. So I saw some people were being like, "Well, Bally Sports North, this is a Bally Sports North problem." No, this is a Major League Baseball problem. They put the game on YouTube, and honestly, I'm okay with it because I yeah. love YouTube. Like make this blackout thing go away. Yeah, it's so it's it it is a baseball problem, and the reason baseball hasn't touched it is because most of the revenue that comes in right. to the league is local revenue, and fees. most of the local revenue that comes in is TV rights fees. Correct. Yeah. So they don't want to like. I, I'm sure the owners are sitting there saying, "Yeah, we obviously we'd love for our games to be accessible, but people have like there has to be revenue coming in." So it's a mess, and it really does need to be untangled. And but I don't know. The, if but the whole thing needs to be rethought. Well, like that's the thing is is and baseball probably is the biggest offender of the old term. But this is the way we've always done it. It's like yeah, yeah that's the problem. <laughs> uh, Phil, to your point about broadcasts, and and this didn't work, but it was the right idea. And more sports should just try it until they they perfect it to a certain point. The NBA players only broadcasts, which I think on TNT, I think there was one in particular last season that was a disaster. It, it just didn't go well and it sucked. Uh, but that's the right formula. Like, I would love to have three players and one guy that can be the pseudo play by play guy. That's fine. But so that they can just all talk about what's going on in the game and situations, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I want. Because every telecast I watch, I want you to tell me things I don't see or know. Like, I don't want to hear what I know. I know those things. And if you're going to read stats off, I know the stats. I can look those up. So so tell me. And and that's why I always thought Tom Kelly was so damn good. It wasn't because he was exciting. He wasn't. But he would tell me stuff. He would see stuff that on my best day as a baseball fan, I wouldn't ever think of. That's what I love about him. And, and the biggest barrier to that happening is is really just like baseball TV broadcasts cling to the idea that you have to tell people what's happening at every turn. And so I, I don't know, like I'm sure some people want that, but I just feel like if there's going to be 300 pitches thrown in a game, you only really need to like call 70 of them sure. for me. Like I, I don't, I don't, if it's the third inning and it's six to nothing, I don't need it to be ball outside one and oh. Because every time you call a pitch, you're stopping a conversation from it. And sometimes they'll let conversations drift, but then when the batter hits a ground ball to second base, the conversation stops so that Dick Bramer can say, there's a ground ball to second, throws on to first, two outs. It's like, oh, okay. Which, I, and I just saw it. I don't, I don't, I saw it. That's fine. Like, have a discussion. Literally go into these games, not to say that I have all the answers, but like, what I would do is I would go into these games and say, all right, we got three and a half hours. 
for 50% of it, we're going to be focused on what's happening in the game. But let's have like six or seven themes or topics or threads or stories that we plan out beforehand and all tee you up for those things. When the game starts to slow down, cool, I'm going to ask you about this, and let's turn it into a podcast for 20 minutes yep. during the inning. And then, and then when the game gets tight, we, we back off that stuff, and we start to call the game again. Like that's, that's what would make it more gripping to me anyways. The most important thing, though, is that, and there are clearly a, a lot of outlets that don't like to do this, you have to be willing to tell me what's going wrong as well. Like, break it down. Like, there, there's been a ton of opportunities, not surprisingly, in the last two weeks where if Bally's would embrace the bad, they could tell you things. Like, nobody, I have not heard yet a detailed breakdown of what Colome is doing wrong, which there has to be something. Like, there's no way that Perk, right, who, who's been pre and post of late, there's no way that Glenn Perkins, who did this job, doesn't see things. I'd yeah. love to know what those th- things are, because I sure as hell don't know, right? But, like, if you could do a detailed breakdown of, Alexander Colome is struggling and he is stunk. And here's exactly, or here's what we see why. I'm going to learn from that. That's what I want. That's the yeah. exact type of thing that I I pay my cable bill to get that. And it's a big bill, by the way. I feel emboldened to speak for what I want because it's a big bill. Yep. Yeah, I think it's like, obviously, you're not going to get out and just fillet the no. team. I get that. It's a partnership, don't but, yeah, don't don't, but don't. Don't patronize the audience by ignoring elephants in the room, right? Exactly. So, all right. So that's talking twins for today. Twins are back. You guys were just, you guys were off the bandwagon. I don't think well, we should let you back on, quite frankly, but. And Declan we'll just ripped an HOF. I mean, Jim Tomey, one of the greatest guys, by the way. I always loved him personally. You just ripped him. He, he's trying to do this job. Just say, ha, ha, I want him to say one mean thing. I would love to hear him say one mean Ask thing. Ask him about me. Probably doesn't oh, like yeah, me. That's probably true. I probably should have went that way. Probably should have. Yeah. Text him. Say, you remember that guy that... Hey, what's the meanest thing you can say? All right. Every single week, every Thursday on the show, Declan goes back in the Twitter archives and finds old, embarrassing, incriminating tweets from 10-plus years of Twitter right. uh, bantering. Old tweets exposed. And, of course, every time this happens, every time I need my dang camera to <laughs> oh, freeze, no. and it just it, it doesn't oh, want to go. You know, it's, oh, that's... It's Phil. Phil it's did fine. it. It's fine. That's just that's too bad oh, yeah, that okay. uh, we won't be able to expose <laughs> no, these no, no. tweets exposed anymore. Is it, over. Is a, uh, it is an NFL draft edition. Nice. So we have all three of us have draft takes. Me and Phil from like 10 years ago. Oh, Judd from God. just oh, no. not too long ago. We'll start oh, no. with Phil. That's bad. Yes, we'll bad. start with Phil. Love it oh, when we start God, with Phil. January 4th, 2012. Heading into the 2012. Dra- 2012 if oh, I'm no. running the Vikings, my main goal is to solidify the passing game. Oh, no. Draft Blackman. Oh, boy. Use Kyle Rudolph more. Find a left tackle. Phil is referring to <laughs> Justin Blackman, who was out of the league in two years. Yeah, he had a, he had problems off the field. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So didn't the Buccaneers follow him yes. around with their scouts to, to bar. bars? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, somebody followed yeah. him around and identified him in, like, bars left and right. Yeah, he had a drinking mm. problem. Well, they did. They did wind up using Kyle Rudolph more, so and they so did that was helpful. Technically, fine. A left. Is this the right? Matt Khalil? Is this Matt Khalil? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they, they okay. Phil. They found he, a left tackle. They, they technically was, but yes, and he, he could make a mean pizza. He, they uh, it didn't work out. Pyology. Pyology. Short. All right. So does Judd, he still own Pyologies? I think they sold off Pyologies. I don't know what happened there. Or they. I don't know how him. you guys closed. Uh, I don't know how you guys are going to top me pining for Justin Blackman no. to help elevate the Vikings passing game, but go ahead and try. 
Well, De- right. Declan always does come uh, hold on. from way in the back. Well, this is from Judd. April 26, 2019. The Vikings have to be very happy with how the draft has gone. No one should be happier than Kirk Cousins. Talked about the need to prop up Cousins with better personnel and scheme, and that's <laughs> what is happening. Oh, well, man. This, this, the, the scheme and Bradbury mm-hmm. are just clicking mm-hmm. right now. For Kirk <laughs> and Judd Zolgat, like a broken record, has been saying prop up Kirk Cousins. He, like every, I was going to say, it's, it's very consistent with my thought process. Very consistent. But yeah, so. yeah, Garrett Bradbury is probably not the guy who, uh, yeah. Nice work there. I yeah. mean, it's still not quite as, I mean, Kirk has it's, had some good passing seasons. Phil, so. Phil very much in the I, lead I just want to say before very I safe. show my tweet, this is kind of dark. And I, I I don't I don't advocate for this hashtag, but I, I just need to point it out. Okay. Just wanted a disclaimer there. If the Vikes do not take Claiborne in the NFL draft, hashtag I am going to shoot myself. <laughs> oh, this is a very immature December thirteenth, two thousand this is freshman year of college, yeah, Declan. This is very immature. Um and I was referring to Maurice Claiborne, the cornerback uh for the Dallas Cowboys who they drafted. He actually had a Decent career. He, he played for six, seven years. but uh, Not a guy that you would probably want to end it all for. Not a yeah, guy right? I want to put a yeah. bullet. Andrew Luck. On the, you know, Andrew, I'm looking oh, at the 2012 draft. Andrew, Andrew Luck. Luck would have been that guy. Yeah, yeah Mo Claiborne uh, out of LSU went sixth overall. This draft is actually woof. So Andrew Luck, RG3 for a haul. Yep. Trent Richardson was third. Matt Khalil was fourth. Justin Blackman was fifth. Some all-time busts That's here. where they, they flip picks with the Browns. That's right. Mo Claiborne, Mark Barron, Ryan Tannehill, Luke Keekley. Those guys panned out. Uh, Stephon Gilmore panned out. Don Terry Poe, Fletcher Cox. So a nice little run there. Michael Floyd, 13th. Yeah. I'm just going to skip around here a little bit. Dre Kirkpatrick, 17th. Um, man. Yeah. Vikings had a, yeah, the Vikings had a, a, Harrison Smith went 29th to the Vikings that year. Who oh, did they take in the second round? That that's year? when Rick got back in. I think they might have traded the second round pick to Baltimore to get that pick. That's right. Oh, yeah. early third, they took Josh Robinson. That's right. Cornerback Josh Robinson. Yep. Footballs are still Amazing. whizzing by the, the ear hole of his helmet as Aaron Rodgers makes passes. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I, I think I Phil won Hens. this week. Oh, yeah, you won. Justin Black. I think it's going away that oh, you won. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. It's amazing. I mean, you didn't know because you clearly didn't follow him around to bars. He, okay. Here's, you were I got one thing. Yourself. Yeah. So many, like, we brought this up on Purple Daily, but just to flesh it out more, okay? So people view the draft all too often as black and white, right? Bust or not, or this guy, that guy. If you're speaking with any level of certainty about prospects that are going to be drafted tonight, like if you say, that's a terrible mock because you can't take that guy, he's going to be a bust. Sure. You don't know. <laughs> Scouts don't know. GMs don't even know. Like, look at this 2000, I mean, the 2012 draft that we just pulled up, okay? Washington traded a boat for RG3. Not because they knew he was going to be amazing, but they were pretty sure. It was a calculated gamble. It was a gamble. smoke was screen for sure. Kirk. They knew that they were going to take Kirk. <laughs> it was a smoke screen. Yep. Like, it's all probabilities. Yes. It's all probabilities. Which is, like, why, which is why I come back to the fact that one of the nicest things is to take a position at which you aren't desperate because you just like the guy. Yeah, it's all like, what like are basically, right now. how would you, if you've, got, if you've got your big board, your draft board, right? Like the Vikings draft board tonight in terms of realistic options once you get past like the top four picks. Sure. 
you know, maybe maybe Trey Lance is number one of guys that could fall. And even he, I, I bet if you ask them, he's the best player on your board. What's the percent chance that guy pans out? They'd probably say 50, probably 50, 60, maybe, yep. like if we develop him. And 60's damn you know, Okay, what if Rashawn Slater, the, the, maybe, you know, let's say Sewell's off the board, and Rashawn Slater is the number one realistic option. What's the percent chance he pans out? They'd probably say eh, 75, yep. you know, 50, 75. It's it, not 100. The, oh, people just talk in absolutes about the draft. The gamble, draft. the gamble on a guy like Khalil was still a good one. Like that process mm-hmm. was exactly right. That process was exactly right. My issue, my issue with taking a player that you desperately need at a position that's not crucial is that's wh- that's where I fault you. So, like, if you're like, we're gonna draft a center, Garrett Bradbury. Okay, if he fails, it's not worth the pick. Like, if if Bradbury was a left tackle and starting to crap out now, I would still say, yeah, but it's a left tackle, right? Yep. Like quarterback, left tackle. I mean, go go through the positions at which you deem to be the most important, and those are the positions that I'm not going to fault you. Yeah, you should you should be drafting those positions high. It's like in baseball. Mm-hmm. Draft shortstops, draft pitchers, draft yeah. center fielders. Exactly. Those are the most impactful positions. Draft catchers. And then if those guys don't pan out, well, maybe they'll pan out at first base. Like Miguel Sano, they they signed him as a shortstop. Now, he might not pan out as a first baseman or a DH, too, which is the problem. But um, in the NFL, what are the most important influential positions? Draft a left tackle. If he doesn't pan out, maybe he's your right tackle. Huh? Maybe you move him to guard or something. Exactly. When you when you draft a guard and he doesn't pan out, you cut him. Right. <laughs> That's he, what ends, he ends up being <laughs> traded. Like Mason yeah, and, Storm. Qu- and quarterback is kind of the same thing. Like if a quarterback doesn't pan out, obviously he you cut him or you you say goodbye, like Christian Ponder. But if he does, people focus so much on well, what if he doesn't pan out? What if he's Christian Ponder? What if he's Josh Allen? What if he's Russell Wilson? What if he's Pat Mahomes? You know that that's how you win Super Bowls. You don't win Super Bowls by just being the best good team yep. that can just make the most solid good. Signings like you need greatness at some of these positions, and quarterback is one that the Vikings don't have greatness at right now, which is why I'd be looking for Fields and Lance tonight. The Mahomes trade and pick is fantastic. I think starting with this reason, they had a quarterback. They identified one and said he just better. So like it wasn't this. I I feel like the worst thing in sports is desperation. Oh my God, we don't have a quarterback. Let's just get one. We got to get one, right? But the Chiefs were like, we got a guy who's pretty good, and he can get us to the playoffs. So it was very Vikings-like. But then they're like, but he's not as good as this guy. And that's where there's the element of having time to develop him. And also, you are you are way more sure then because you're not doing it out of desperation. This This is how I think the draft has to be seen. Because if you can go through the draft like that, you're going to feel pretty damn good. And that's where uh, I think that's where we're going to stop this conversation and fuel up for tonight's conversation, which is live on the Purple Daily the YouTube Celsius. channel all throughout the night. We got you guys covered. So if you haven't already subscribed to the Purple Daily YouTube channel, that's where you can find us live tonight. We're going to bring fans into the into the uh, the show with us. It's going to be super fun. And, yeah, this is one of my favorite days of the year. Just and this is there's so many things that could happen. Do the tonight. chimes. Um, Somebody do the chimes. I got, I got, I got, I got. Jacqueline's got the chimes. 
The tequila will be yeah. flowing if a linebacker's taken at 14. I'm just saying. Warning <laughs> or you might right. pass out. Yep. Micah Parsons. It's going to be great. Micah Parsons. All right, dudes. Great stuff today on Reckless Speculation Thursday. And, uh, again, you can find all of the things we do at Score North. Mackie and Judd, Purple Daily, Royce Unchained, the Scoop of Doogie, 10,000 Swings, Minnesota Golf Podcast, and now also Loon Talk, uh, Minnesota United Talk with John Harrison and Dan Terhar, all on scorenorth.com and the Score North app and all of Judd's written work as well. We'll see you guys tomorrow.